Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast preview show, which of course means it's Friday. In fact, it's a very good Friday today. It's all right, I'll long, wait. It's a, it's a long good Friday, isn't it? It's a, it's a very good. Uh, what is it? Uh, you long streak of paralysed piss. You long streak of paralysed yeah, Not Not piss. you, Martin, obviously. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not long at all. <laughs> although, although I did I, I did scream that at Nemanja Matic once in honour of Bob Hoskins and the long good Friday. Anyway, uh, we digress. I am Stamford Chidge, of course. It is Good Friday. It is the Chelsea Fancast preview show, and I am joined by the illustrious Mr Jonathan Kidd. Oh, lovely adjective. Thanks. Lovely to be on the show. Thank you. I am also joined by the illuminating Martin Wickham. Evening, and I'll just use my best joke for the night already. You have. Start at the top, Martin. It's downhill from here. We all know that. Uh, Now, as always, you know we have a journalist mate of ours, and we have the um, indefatigable Sam Incasol tonight from London. Evening, everyone. Evening, lads. Thank you very much, as always, for having me on. Always a pleasure. Always lovely to see you. You know that, Sam. Um, and uh, I, I, owe, I owe Sam a, a huge debt of gratitude. I always owe him a huge debt of gratitude. He puts up with my waffle frequently on here and, and my even more waffly articles that I sent him for Football.London. But I owe him a huge debt of gratitude this week because when he uh, looked through my latest piece on Eden Hazard and why coming back's often not a good idea, he left in all three references to Peter Osgood not being the kite of Stamford Bridge. But even better for Nigel Spackman, probably not flooring Martin Keown for audibly calling Peter Osgood the kite of Stamford Bridge. Uh, I mean, you could not wish for a better editor, boss, whatever. Well done, Sam. Thank you for that. You made a lot. You made me very happy. Hopefully, a lot of people who got the joke very happy too. I wouldn't want to ruin your wonderful prose that you send me across every week, Chidge, anyway. So, of course, I was going to leave it in well, for you, mate. Maybe you should have a word in DJ's shell-like on the CFC UK fanzine. They quite, they quite, <laughs> quite often get the red pen through those. In fact, actually, by the way, the latest one of those dropped on my doorstep yesterday. So, do look out for that if uh, if you subscribe to CFC UK. Now, we've got lo- lots to get through, so stop waffling, Chidgy. Um I think, first of all, uh, I mean, I, I know you weren't at the presser today, Sam, but obviously you know what went on like we all did. Uh, Tommy T got the Manager of the Month award. Well-deserved, I would say. Yeah, rightly so. Um, it, 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 it would have been a real surprise if anyone else had got it rather than him. You can't go in an unbeaten month. Well, you, well, you can. We've seen it before. Managers go unbeaten month and not pick up the award, but um, thoroughly deserved. He's completely rejuvenated Chelsea, revolutionised Chelsea in a way from when uh, since late January, and it was just rewards, I think, for arguably a, he- a very hectic time that he's had uh, since since joining. Was it 14 games in in two months? Um, but he hasn't lost one yet. So, I mean, especially in, in February, being Liverpool as well was obviously the big one. Was it the first time since 2014, I think it was? Well, in, in the league. Was it 2016, in the league, yeah. Sorry, mm. in the league. Um, obviously drawing the leads, uh, beating Everton as well. Um, it was, and, and then obviously progressing uh, in the cup as well. So, yeah, it's all around... Thoroughly deserved, absolutely. Uh, there's, there was no, there was no debate for me that he should have got it. Regardless, he he was wonderfully. Uh, I mean, he's he's great value in the presses, J.K. Isn't he? I mean, he, he's so magnanimous. He's a very bright guy. I I enjoyed his presser today. I have to say. Well, it's just very good fun listening to him as well. There's not a not a dull moment. Everything's interesting, and um, he seems to answer all the questions. Uh, uh, very uh, thoroughly and um, in many instances amusingly so uh, um, uh, and educationally from a, a, a bare little brain like myself I go oh that's what he's trying to do oh okay and, but also the, the, the information that we get is always um, uh, nudges us along to further understanding of his mm. his methods so no he's he's great he's really great well we'll, we'll touch on a bit of a bit of this as we go along um, I mean as we know we, we are now out out of the uh, infernal international break um it's been uh, <laughs> shall we say a mixed bag for chelsea's boys in the international break i mean just to kind of give my own little summary and then we'll get into it i mean i think i think the interesting thing is how how mount's stock mason mount's stock has risen even further i mean it can't rise much further for us we know how bloody good he is but it's really interesting to see the wider public begin to realise how good he is. I thought Chilwell and James did themselves a lot of credit. Good to see Havertz uh, play quite well. But, um, and this was mentioned in the presser, of course, wasn't it, Martin? Uh, dear old Tim O'Verner. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. 
No, he didn't lose to Luxembourg. He's not Irish. Oh, I, I you know, <laughs> yeah, something please. subconsciously made me yeah. go to you for the. I can't think of what it was. I just think it's you know progressive that you know we're the first ones well, to actively boycott the Qatar World Cup by fucking up the qualification. Well, that's true, Mar- <laughs> uh, Martin. I, what I will say in your defence and possibly mine is I watched the Jack Charlton doc last night, Finding Jack Charlton. I haven't yet. Oh, I, I, I think I would. I think I would need to make sure I. I've got two Box hours. Of Kleenex, uh, mate. Uh, well, <laughs> not, not for that reason. <laughs> no, for Christ, that reason no. as well, Jim. No, 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 no. I please. saw the look on his face, mate. I mean, come on, I've no, known sp- him a long time. Speak for yourself. No, um, <laughs> and he's, I, and he's I, Irish, of course. Uh, I just, I just um, thought that the um, it's one of the, I think the nature of someone suffering that illness. I just like, I don't want to watch this if I'm in a really bad yeah, day. That is so sad. That is sad. I but I tell really you what. Watch- in all honesty, though, I mean, one of the, even as an Englishman, it was wonderful to to relive. Well, he, a won, of... he won a World Cup, yeah, playing yeah. for England, of course. So, yeah, you know, exactly. Well, no, no, I, I actually enjoyed re-watching a lot of the Irish triumphs of that time. I hadn't realised how politically important it was yeah. for them at the time. I was so naive. Yeah, there were, and, uh, you know, and the very fact that it was an, an Englishman winning made it was so relevant for. Uh, um, for for even for the uh, the good the, the Good Friday, uh, how how appropriate? How appropriate. Um, Agreement. The Long Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. It was quite a long agreement, yeah. apparently. Yeah, long streak of piss. Agreement. I mean, the and thing, the we've, thing is, we've, all, we've all seen the last scene of the Long Good Friday. We have indeed. Now, uh, the thing is, J.K., it, you're right. If it hadn't been for Jack Charlton waving the flag for Ireland, it would have been left to you too. Indeed. How indeed. dreadful that would have been. Oh God. <laughs> Anyway, it's back to the football. Now there was that. Apocryphal, just to say one, there one, was one, that two. apocryphal story about you too, where Bono was on stage and he does this thing and he starts clicking his fingers and every time, every time I click my fingers, a starving child in Africa dies oh, and someone shouts, right. "Stop fucking clicking your fingers!" Then. <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, Ver- oh, it's, 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 it's great. For people wanting to watch it, by the way, it is great. It is great. It's a great. It is doc, absolutely really great, yeah. and it's great raised, documentary. It's yeah. raised. It's raised money yeah. for charity. Yeah. In, yeah. the, in the light of it, which, so which is very definitely good. recommend it. Back to the football, Martin. Uh, yeah, absolutely that was a... horrible, horrible miss by Werner, but it was wonderful. What I thought, I thought what Tuchel said today in the presser about that was that the. Ian Holloway stroke Swiss Tony impression. It was a bit, wasn't it? Scoring goals is a little bit like making love to a beautiful woman. Yeah, and getting in the back of taxis and all things. (laughs) That's a very weird (laughs) thing to say. I know, it's just... But, uh, yeah, I I didn't follow the press of that quote came up all over the place and we've all seen that miss and it's bad, but it's... It was just such a dreadful result for Germany as well. Yeah. So that was funny. I enjoyed that. That, that was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> if they were, if they were playing South Macedonia as well, they'd have been in even deeper trouble. I think. I, I, I heard a horrible stat. Uh, Sam will probably know this, but I heard a horrible stat after Germany losing, which was the last time they lost um, a qualifier was against England, the famous five-one, which I missed because I was at a bloody wedding. But anyway, that's by the by. Uh, they went on to win the World Cup. That World Cup as you may or may not remember, 2002. Um, Sam, I, again, you know, he he was brilliant in the press. They didn't uh, win so, it. They made the final, didn't they? They made the final and Brazil won it because Fat Ronaldo won. scored, didn't he? Yeah, okay, yeah. good point. Thank you, Martin, Mr. Statsman. Where would I be right, without well, rain, you? Rain Man, apparently, okay, right. the last time I was on here. <laughs> I mean, again, Sam, he was on he was on cracking form. I thought it was really interesting what he said about Werner, and he seems to, he seems to be managing him, I think, quite well. Yeah, and... Uh, Werner is is notoriously a streaky striker. Anyway, he he kind of does go through phases where he where he doesn't score, um, and then he will suddenly go on a run. He did it after the last lockdown, for example, um, the very first one. If we all remember back then, uh, scored nine in the last nine games, and oh no, sorry, seven in the last nine games in the end of the season for Leipzig. So, um, and as Tuchel rightly said, he knows what he's doing. He's just probably he's just lacking a bit of confidence in front of goal. He doesn't need to be working an extra half an hour to, to work on his shooting. He can still shoot, even despite what we saw in midweek. Um, but goals will come for Werner, I'm sure of it. Um, it's, he's just going through a tough spell, which, which well, pretty much every player goes through at, at some point. So, and, and, then when, and then when it does, when it does come together, um, I suspect he'll probably go on a, a hot streak of goals towards the end of the season. Fingers crossed anyway for Chelsea. Mm. JK, you look poised like a cobra. Yeah, I was about to go. Nah, no, no, <laughs> you you don't see it. No, in all seriousness, you. I mean, because here's the thing. I, do you know what I was about to say? Well, I was thinking when Sam was saying this. I was thinking, yeah, I agree with you, Sam. Unless he has the yips, you know. I've seen cricketers 
JK loves his cricket too. Martin loves his cricket too. We all love our cricket. I've seen many a cricketer, many a spin bowler get the yips and their careers finished. I've seen golfers get the yips and their careers finished. And I'm wondering if JK thinks that Tim O'Verner has got the yips. Well, I just think we're... It's that thing as, as, of, of um, encouraging and wanting them to do well because you've seen how they've done and they're your player and you see little glimpses of them getting back in their stride. But, you know, how long do you give them? You know, how long does this, are you allowed to to accept the the idiocy of some of it? Because it's, uh, it's becoming um, absolutely dreadful. I mean, I have to say, I think he's played a little bit, he's played better for Chelsea. He still hasn't scored, which is what he was bought for. But he's contributing more and looking more of the, within the team ethic. He's playing in the team ethic. He's, he's uh, when given the opportunity, he's a very, very quick, he's very quick and he, he's, he's done a couple of assists. But, but the idea is for him to actually get the ball in the back of the net. And yes, we're all hoping, but you know, how long do you allow this to go on for? I, I, this is my, my fear about this. You know, in, in, in previous incarnations, it's been a season, hasn't it? We've given him a season and a half. And if you, you know, uh, um, Kesman, we, we all loved and we sang to him, but secretly all of us were thinking, you're just not good enough for this team. I wonder if it's more more of an equivalence to Torres here. Well, except Torres um, had an injury when he when we bought him and uh, was never quite the same player as he, never ever the same player as he, not even quite the wrong expression. He's never been, the, was never the same player. But we didn't, we didn't long him off, the, even so, did we? No, no, we kept him up well because of the potential. Yeah, well, you wonder whether that was that was from the owner whether the manager didn't have the same power that uh, Mourinho had with uh, with Kesman. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that The mystery in the week, it shouldn't be held against him. Um, Apparently but, it was a terrible uh, pass from Gundogan, according to Tuchel, anyway. So, Yeah, that wasn't the case at all, was it? I think yeah. he was joking, Jacob. Yeah, it's, it's like... Um, it's He's like, after your job as comedian, mate. To, to be fair, though, to, during the week, Stone, the pass given to Stones for his... <laughs> For his error against Poland was absolutely atrocious by uh, Pope, and you can understand why he was on the back foot slightly. Not excusing him because it was a rubbish piece of control. But no, I, I, I my, my fear always with this situation is, you know, we're dealing with with elite players, and all right, Tuchel has got to try and make the forwards fire. But if we get to the summer and he's not looking as if he's going to improve, and he even has a pre-season with him, and he still doesn't think he's going to improve, he may just have to. To call time on this. Well, I tell you what might come into that, and Sam picking up on the uh, on the press today. Um, and actually, I'm going to I'm going to ask you this first because I mean, good old Daryl Daryl Middleditch, who of course we saw J.K. didn't we on on, we on did. Monday? Yeah, we did. But anyway, Daryl asked a question right at the eleventh hour, which normally Daryl, I know you're listening in Mixer at the moment, I would have ignored because it broke protocol. It came in after I wrote the script. However, as I am all heart, and as it's really pertinent. Because it basically, Darrell was saying, I think he was a bit pissed off about the the question that was asked of Tuchel about Haaland. And basically, from what I understand, Mino, Raiola and, and Haaland are, are doing a bit of a world tour at the moment of all the big clubs that are supposed to be interested in him, clearly trying to get a bidding war going on, I would imagine. Um, but Darrell <laughs> was quite pissed off about it, from what I remember. And he was basically saying... Why? Why do journal, journalists ask those questions? Is it is it really just to get a bit of clickbait going? So whatever Tuchel responds with, it'll be, you know, spun a certain way. Chelsea still may be interested in in Haaland. Chelsea not out of the race to sign. You know, all that kind of jazz. All right, settle down, Jim. What is is that is that, <laughs> is that what's going on, Sam? I mean, you're the insider no. here, not me. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's that. It's 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 obviously the dominant. It's the dominant transfer story. It was going to be now throughout the summer. Uh, everyone wants to know where he's going to end up. He's arguably the, arguably the most in-demand player in Europe, as him and McKillian and Mbappe, the two hottest prospects in world football at the moment. So everyone, so people are going to be interested to see where he ends up. He scored 49 goals in 49 games or whatever it was for, for Dortmund since he joined them. So that he's going to attract that attention. I don't, obviously, there is the, the Raiola circus. That 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 um what and what, what he brings to the table that will obviously keep it very much in the in the public eye for the next few months, at least I'd imagine. But um yeah, it's I think for for me is and I think quite a few football fans as well. We just want to see where he ends up and where he's going to start doing and scoring and scoring an absolute 
bagload of goals next. I, I would actually, do you know what? That'd be great. Sam, I, I thought I, Barcelona were potless, though. Yeah, and Real Madrid I didn't, too. I didn't think they had a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of because their debts had just piled up on them well, as a result of the pandemic. But I think I, that's why I think that you know Riola's trying to get a bidding war going on. Personally, I, I I mean I had a hilarious chat on Twitter with the likes of Kelvin Barker and a few of the other old lags that are around who we've been around, seen it all, and we we said we so I think it was something I think it started off. We've really broken Werner, haven't we? And we all agree, very proper Chelsea thing for Chelsea to break strikers. I would actually quite like us to buy Haaland just so we can break him too and prove that we are, this is what <laughs> we do. I've said on here a few you weeks know. ago, if we sign him, we'll end up, he'll end up with the, the scoring record of his dad. Yeah, exactly. It's just guaranteed we break strikers. <laughs> this is what we do. We have a long... People say Chelsea have got no history. We do. We buy that, really expensive that. strikers and we make them look rubbish. It's, it's what not that do. Eddie Hearn clip. That's what we fucking... Do. That's what we fucking do, absolutely. Now, uh, talking of strikers, the other biggie around at the moment, um, and of course, uh, you wouldn't be surprised, uh, Tuchel was asked this too, wasn't he, Sam, about Aguero? And, I mean, you know, like he answered with Haaland, he was very respectful. You know, Aguero's a City player. They're, they're uh, competitive of ours. Haaland plays for Dortmund. You know, I'm not going to talk about him. Um, but he did He did concede that he is a world-class player. I have to say, I'll, I'll lob my, my personal bias, and you wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to hear me do that, but um, I, 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 I can't understand. Why would Chelsea want an injury-prone striker who's over 30 years old? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, he was brilliant. We should have bought him 10 years ago, but we didn't. So is this really a plausible possibility or a load of hot air? Um, I, I think it, it obviously a lot depends on Aguero. He said in his statement, um, his his emotional goodbye that he had to Man City that he still wanted to play at the highest level. Um, and if he wants to stay in the Premier League, um, then that's obviously the highest level. So I think it, it, I wouldn't completely rule it out. I don't think it's completely out of the realms of possibility. I think um, I I suspect that he would be low down on the pecking order of strikers that Chelsea are looking for this summer or would look to buy this summer. Um, even though he'd come in on a free transfer. I think as a short-term fix, it might not necessarily be a bad thing, but um, obviously long-term, absolutely not. But I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. Um, his injury record would be the only thing that, that, would, that would certainly concern me. And if you're trying to overhaul your striking department, if Timo Werner's still not firing, for example, then maybe an, a, a 32-year-old striker that struggled with injuries, who is admittedly still very good, um, might not be the answer. Mm. Martin, what do, you, what do you think, old Bean? I think he's um, it's a strange one. I don't think he will move to another Premier League team. I think he'll get a high-profile move, but I don't think it'll be to a team in this country. I think the emotional tie with Man City would be far too strong. That said, we said the same about Frank Lampard when he went to Man City, so you never know. But I would imagine his move would be to either Spain if he wants to stay high-profile or if he gets a load of money from America or something mm. like that. I just think I just it is a strange thing with Man City because David Silva left the end of last season, Aguero's leaving the end of this. He's like the two best players in their recent history, and I think in Aguero's case, probably one of the best signings of all time in the Premier League at least. And their farewell's going to be in an empty stadium, which feels slightly wrong in my view. Hmm. JK, um, he's uh, he's hardly played, is he? Because he's been injured, which isn't a very good. Um... Um, advertisement for him and also uh, but if he doesn't want to play uh, at the highest level he'll be wanting the highest level wages won't he so uh, I don't think anybody else can afford him if he wants to to uh, to maintain his uh, his wage packet so it'll have to be a, a dive down in uh, in salary if he wants to go anywhere else so perhaps you know perhaps somebody may make a bid for him perhaps and, and pay him the wages he had before um, but um, I can't see Chelsea going anywhere near him. Well, I, I, personally, I, I hope not. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the days of signing people like Pato and Falcao are way behind us. Or Higuain. Or oh, the Pigwain. God, yeah. I mean, that was just ridiculous. So, anyway, it's a no from the Chelsea fan cast. I think you can safely say that. Now, um, we, we should uh, disappear because we've got uh, our next guest uh, waiting in the wings uh, who will be giving us the opposition view. Uh, we're playing West Brom uh, tomorrow at half 12, if anybody's forgotten. And he is Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail. So that will be very interesting. Now, before we let him in, um, I want to just say very quickly, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody 
who sponsored me for the big virtual Stamford Bridge sleepout last Saturday, almost a week ago, and I'm still stiff from it, I have to say. And I still have frostbite in my nether regions. Uh, but no, it was well, well worth it. I mean, actually, what, what I'm so delighted, I mean, I'm so delighted that so many of you were generous enough to sponsor me. I think it's absolutely lovely of you. But I know we've raised a really good amount of money for the Stoll Foundation. Uh, but actually, I think we all had a lot of fun. I mean, we kind of ended up being like a Chelsea version of comic relief. We were all doing silly things for the evening, like me reading passages from various favourite books by the campfire and... Uh, we had loads of messages from like, the likes of Jason Carney, Pat Nevin, Sitz, uh, Tommy Langley, the Reverend Gavin Peacock. I mean, it was endless. It was just a, a lot of fun. Nigel Spackman's comic turn as well was quite Backers was just a genius, wasn't he? He was absolutely brilliant. I never knew he had it in him. The comic talent, really. Waiting he may not have known he had it in him no, until he filmed go. it. But it was really, really great. And and uh, I, I think it, it, it just shows you what a wonderful community of Chelsea and Marcus Alonso don't forget oh Martin thank you yeah the best thing of the entire night was was us there was one young lad I think who uh, was sleeping out and uh, I don't know how Cliff wangled it but he did but he got Marcus Alonso to record a message for him to say good luck and well done and and and, and we put that up there which I mean confirms a lot of us already you know what is what a marvelous chap uh, Marcus Alonso is never say a bad word against Marcus Alonso so thank you thank you thank you if you can still donate i think the the donation page is still open for a while yet so if you want to swell the coffers even more uh you just go to go to my at stanford chidge twitter page and uh, the, the you know the, the the sleep out tweet is pinned to my page so go and have a look if you want to donate it'd be lovely if you could right uh we're going to say cheerio to sam sam you've been brilliant as always short but far sweet too tonight. Kind. you're far too kind thanks very much as always for having me that's really always a pleasure always lovely to see you and uh we'll uh, we'll see you very soon when i get my finger out of my rear end and do a new schedule for the last the last chelsea fan cars schedule of the season hurrah they all say <laughs> i don't blame them sam you stay well have a great weekend mate and we'll catch up with you soon you, you too, lads. Thank you very much, mate. Brilliant Bye. stuff. We will be back in a jiffy and we will be speaking to Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail. See you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters, and proper chels. Okay, welcome back. This is the, Ch- the Chelsea Fancast, if I can even say it. Uh, it's Friday night, Chelsea Fancast preview show. I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and we've got Martin Wickham with us. Good evening. And we've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd, too. Oh, nice to be on the show, Chidge. And now it's time for this. That's right. We like it, don't we, JK? The opposition view. And, uh, Love it. Yes, Love we it. do. Now, this week, we've got uh, we've got Joe Chapman, who is from the Birmingham Mail. Joe, hello. How are you? Very well, Chid. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, good to see you too, mate. Let's get straight into it. Um, obviously, we've got West Brom uh, at the lunchtime kickoff at half 12 tomorrow. Um we had a bit of a shocker against you, really, uh, earlier in the season to find us. How did we find ourselves 3-0 down? I don't know. Now, of course, interestingly enough, a lot of teams would have said, oh, it did really, really well getting to back to 3 all. You know, we'll take that. Not Chelsea. No, no. Q meltdown afterwards. But, uh, you know, I think in hindsight, um, it was kind of really indicative of, of a lot of Chelsea's problems at the time that we that we were letting goals in for fun. Everything has completely changed for both clubs in a way since then. And I think the first thing I want to ask you really is is how did how did West Brom fans feel about getting Big Sam at the club? Uh, I thought at the time the consensus from the fan base was very much... Uh, first of all, I've got to say that I think a lot of people very much respected the job that Slavin did. I don't think it was very, very as straightforward a job as just getting West Brom promoted from the championship. They had a very talented squad, but they needed adding to it and uh, and certainly steering the ship. It played some very, very good stuff. So it was a pity, really, that come December time, there was only a couple of wins on the board and uh, 
Albion did what they what they deemed necessary in terms of giving out giving the club the best opportunity to stay in the Premier League. We all know how difficult it can be, and being a West Brom fan, we all know that you know relegation has is, is has been a common theme over the last twenty years. So wanted to stay in the Premier League, and therefore you turn to a man who has done exactly that. His track record last ten years or so is never been Crystal relegated. Palace, Sunderland, Everton, never been relegated. So. Precisely, yeah. very much like. Very much like Tony Pulis, one of those kind of, you know, old guard, I suppose, in terms of managers. But you couldn't, you couldn't fault the track record. So there was a few Wolves connotations as well when Sam arrives, and you've got to kind of he, he addressed those in his first press conference. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that there was an understanding uh, and an appreciation of what the what the club were trying to do when when Big Sam was appointed. So they were they were broadly okay with it then. I think so. I mean, you, you know, you've got. You've got a team that have got hardly got any Premier League players in it in terms of experience. This is a new a new experience for three quarters of the of the squad. So it was a really really uh, inexperienced team. You, you compare West Brom and, and what they were, what they were uh, recognised as previously in the Premier League when they were in the in the league for eight years, uh, eight successive years. Players like Foster and and Brunton and McCauley and Dawson, very direct team, very tall team. A lot of experience in that as well, a lot of leaders. This is a very, very different squad. Um, and so that was that that's that's something I think Abadice has had to really battle with uh, from the get-go. Uh, and and very, very slowly, with the help of the January window, he's been able to address that and the performances have improved, but sadly the, the results haven't. So what's the major differences between the styles of Billich and uh... And Allardyce, do you think is he just more direct? And was Billich much more creative? What 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 specifically has changed? Do you think? I think more off the ball. To be honest, uh, you know, when you look at someone like Allardyce, you know, you what you're going to get is an organisation off the ball, uh, a, a discipline, a shape that was kept to. Uh, Albion have been, while they've really struggled to score goals, and I'm sure we'll get onto that. Defensively, they've 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 looked far better in the last few weeks. It's taken a little while, and there were a few hammerings over the Christmas period where Leeds came and put five past them, and Arsenal did similar, Man City did similar. But you could it felt like there was a bit of a limbo there, you know, before he could really kind of get to work with the with the January transfer window. And it's all happened kind of just a little bit too late for me. I think you know you look at the where they are at the moment; they're ten points adrift and. That it, you know, that's that's a real. It's going to be the greatest of, of escapes if they're to get out of it. But when you look at where they were, uh, even six, seven weeks ago, and where they've come from since, the performances have markedly improved. They they've just struggled so much in scoring goals that mm. uh, when they have been able to, they had it previously with Newcastle the other week. They drew nil nil because they couldn't score. They gave away a, a really awful penalty at Crystal Palace in their last game three weeks ago and lost the game one nil. Didn't, didn't put a foot wrong defensively otherwise. That's the one thing that Allardyce has really you know, been able to amend in time. Got them organised by the sounds of it, Joe. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, you mentioned it a minute ago. I mean, and I agree with you, actually. You know, I had a look through recent results and nobody's, nobody's dubbed you at all recently. They've all been, uh, I mean, obviously you, you won one in at Brighton and you drew nil at Newcastle and Burnley, but the, the losses have been one nil losses. So... Sam's done what, a, what actually, you know, to be fair, what Dougal's done with Chelsea, what good managers do. They, they start by sorting out the defence. But as you said, is it, is it too late? I mean, 10 points with, with what, nine games to go? That's an awful lot to claw back at this stage of the season, isn't it? Yeah, and the goal difference as well is still awful. Uh, I, I, still, I think it's still the worst in the league as well. So, you know, that factor that in, that is another point probably as well if it was to ever come down to it. 10 points. I looked the other day, just out of interest, really. You'll remember that Nigel Pearson team five, six years ago that stayed up the year before they won the league. And they came from nowhere. Uh, and at this point of the season, they were seven adrift. So, you know, you'd have to go better than them. And, and they put a, a serious run together. Mm. Sam's already said six wins. They need six wins from nine games. Yeah. This this weekend's probably just about the, t- the toughest game I'd have thought in that run and Sam does kind of like to compartmentalize the season uh, and pick and choose his games in terms of targeting points. So I, I can't imagine that they'll be kind of, uh, they'll come out quite at Chelsea the way that Billich's Chelsea did at the Hawthorns mm. in the reverse fixture. Yeah. You can't score and we can't score. So it'll be nil nil then. 
Theoretically, <laughs> when... yeah, but I, I watched I watched I watched the Sheffield United FA Cup game. You know, I thought it's just that is that is perfect Tuchel, isn't it? You know, they, they score the goal, Sheffield United have a bit of a go, and then they kill them off at the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. professional, Martin. So when Sam Allardyce took over, within a week he was requesting a COVID circuit break due to the number of positive cases and saying he didn't feel safe and it was quite transparent he wanted time on the training ground with them. Um, he's kind of got that with this international break and not having a cup game. So do you think that will work to their benefit as well and that they'll be a lot more drilled and organised, even as he's improving them beforehand? I think so. With the players he's had available to him in the international break, he was he was pretty annoyed that the a couple of weeks before we we uh, we played our final game three weeks against against Palace, we had three home games in a, in, in the space of a week uh, because they the, the the league crowbarred in the Everton game, which was meant to be played on that FA Cup weekend, um, and so you know three games in eight days, you go from that to three weeks without a game. It is kind of like a, a feast of a famine. So that kind of schedule's not really helped matters. It's not helped their preparation. It's not. It's certainly something that. Sam it sounds, it sounds to me that he would have wanted the time on the training ground because that was what he he was when he was asking for the COVID circuit break. My first thought was, yeah, you've just seen your team get walloped five 0 by Leeds, and you want time to drill them. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, he was, absolutely. We want to use it to his to his advantage, um, especially as he seems to the back line is a lot less um, porous than it was. If he can organise a bit further up the field, it may stand them a good stead in the um, last part of the season. Yeah, I think I think generally the international break you got to look. It's an extended period for us because of that FA Cup weekend as well. It isn't just your your, your average international break. It is. It's a long time, really. You know, since they played Palace uh, early, you know, kind of early to mid March. It's three three weeks. So there are one or two internationals that would definitely uh, have had a major part to play in any given West Brom starting lineup in the last six weeks that have been away. Playing for their their countries. It's all right. Callum Robinson didn't do much. He'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's come back. Not that you're bitter, Nick Martin, trust. at all. You know, bitter and twisted. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did Branner play uh, um, for um, for who was it? Croatia, Serbia, Serbia, Serbia. Uh, Branner, Branner won't be in the West Brom squad. I'm sure on Saturday. Um, he, we haven't seen Ivanovic since the winter. Um, I saw a couple of games. He looked really off the pace. Really. Yeah, I mean, the guy is got to. You got to say, I think he's turned thirty-eight or thirty-nine in these last couple of weeks. So, so you know, you know what you're going to get. You know, we've we've seen it before with a couple of West Brom players that in the past where they've signed internationals that have it's absolutely wonderful CV, but are quite clearly past it. Um, <laughs> and that's just, that's a shame. He signed that one-year deal, and uh, I don't imagine unless something dramatic happens that we'll see him again. Mm in a West Brom shirt. I'm sure we'll be down at the weekend anyway. But um, they have they have had a lot of success in the January window uh, in terms of the midfield. Uh, Akai I don't know if you've been able to see any of him, but he is a Premier League player for somebody yeah. next season without question. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a serious player. Well, talk, um, talking of ex-Chelsea, or well, we've got, we've got a current Chelsea player playing for West Brom, of course, haven't we, Joe? I mean, he can't play tomorrow due to the usual loan rules but um, have you been impressed by Conor Gallagher this season? I have been for a number of reasons actually I, I think I saw a, little, a good bit of him last season because when your team's in the Championship you watch Championship football and he was without doubt uh, a very very good Championship player last season so when the, the, the news came that Gallagher was eventually signing for West Brom after what happened with Crystal Palace I, I thought you know that's exactly what they need they need uh a real set of legs in midfield that they, that they were lacking last season. Uh, Gallagher's really—he's just thrown himself into into the environment. You know, having signed, he's not played a single Premier League game to my to my knowledge at Chelsea before he came. Uh, he's never—you know—he's just kind of gone in and gone. Well, I'm going to be in a side that's going to struggle this season because when he had signed, they were in the bottom three and. That's, you know, they've not actually managed to escape, I don't think, since October time. And he's just, every single game, his application, I, I love the fact that he, he really just goes about his work um, as if he's playing for a top four team, you know, he, he, as if every single minute of every game matters. Uh, and it doesn't seem to fluster him. He, he does need to brush up on his discipline a little bit, I think, sometimes. You know, he, he has racked up the, the yellow cards this season. Um, he likes a tackle, but, doesn't he? 
loves loves throwing himself into challenges yeah uh, and you know that's that's been he's been a real he's been a real asset to Albion this season definitely one of their standout players I mean you could look at players of the season for West Brom in a difficult season like this one um despite the goals conceded Sam Johnson's been wonderful and he's been recognized by England but Gallagher is one of the obvious outfield players for me who would be a kind of a, a player of the season nominee he, wow. he's um he's been really really impressive and, and whether he's good enough for Chelsea whether he's good enough for the Chelsea starting 11 or, or even a, a place in the, the squad next season I don't know but you know he, he'll if he doesn't play for Chelsea he'll play Premier League football somewhere else JK uh, I just want to ask about Matt Phillips I've, I've, from, I've always been fond of him as a player because he played at Rangers I saw him a few times there and then he went to um uh who brought him from there? Um, uh, can't remember. But anyway, but is is he likely to be in the side? Because he's a very tricky winger. I just felt was he in the last stages of his career? Do you think um, he, he just seemed to fit in and out of the of the of the, of the, the baggy side, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I think that's a fair assessment of it. Phillips has found a place in the starting eleven actually under Allardyce in the last six or seven weeks. He's been quite reluctant to change things. So on the subject of the Callum Robinson, I don't think you have to worry too much. Um, about him featuring because we haven't actually seen him since the start of February for Albion. I didn't uh, see him when he was playing for Ireland last <laughs> Saturday. So let it, it go, Martin. Let Never. it go. <laughs> Never. It's because he scored twice against us in the Hawthorns and he'd done jack shit for Ireland before, the week before. I'm still bitter about that. So we, we can expect a goal from him, maybe. I, I mean, it's a crazy thing with... Any just on goal sub- scorer, check the market now. The subject of Robinson, because he scored for Sheffield United as well, didn't he? Yeah. I think it was exactly. his only league goal. It's but incredible. It, was, it, was, it was Callum Robinson and Dave McGoldrick. The only Premier League goals he scored last season was against Chelsea, and I'd seen him like, struggle against Gibraltar. So. Through my... <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, Erlen Howland didn't score against Gibraltar either, so maybe they're better than we give them credit for. Uh, maybe they are, maybe they are. Uh, listen, Joe... Um... It, I mean, you know, we alluded to it earlier. I mean, you know, both both teams seem to have trouble scoring goals, but look a lot better at the back. I mean, how, how do you see it going? I mean, I know Sam's been playing a four-one-four-one, but it, it, knowing Sam, he might well go to back five tomorrow. Do you think? I would suggest he probably stick with his four. It depends on. I spoke to him uh, yesterday, and he seemed very content that all the players who were away from. Uh, from the training ground in terms of internationals were were either have either reported back or okay or have already checked in from abroad to say they're going to be absolutely fine to play so provided everything's okay I, I wouldn't imagine that there'd be too many drastic changes to what we've seen Albion's problems at the front end of the pitch and so you know defensively and the way the midfield set up I think the only place you probably see a change I think unless something drastic happens is is who replaces Conor Gallagher in midfield, I think. Um, I imagine Jake Livermore would probably play unless he was considering maybe throwing on another attacking-minded player, someone like Robert Snodgrass. Other than that, I think it'll probably be Livermore or Romain Sawyers. I think it'll be a back four and um, it's a case of, you know, give Chelsea the ball and see what they can do with it. Yeah, he's that's, got, that's what we've seen. He's going to part the bus, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of he said it yesterday himself. Before we before we go there, we already know that Chelsea can have more of the ball. It's going to be more about what we do with it when we have it, um, and and you know, can we get the ball forward? Can we catch Chelsea out? Mm. That, that, that's quite simple, really. And I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him or West Brom for that one iota. It's up to us to get the result and them for, to do the best that they can. So um, stick stick a score on it for us, Joe. I'm going to say 2-0 to Chelsea because I think, well, Albion's goal-scoring troubles have, uh, have, have continued for a short period now. I don't see how they're going to just magically switch it on against Chelsea, who equally I don't think are going to absolutely blow them away. I think they'll get the job done in a pretty professional manner um, in, in a similar way to what they've done recently. So I think I think it'll be very much how it looked before the international break. So there'll be a fluky own goal and a penalty then? Quite possibly. In the, yeah, in the 90th minute with West Brom halfway up the pitch, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. Joe, uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, actually, about the 2-0, and I shall talk about that in part three. But uh, I do wish you luck. I hope, I hope you know, I mean, look, while, while there's Newcastle, there's hope, Joe, is what I would say. Quite, quite. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I would, I mean, you know, because we've all missed football so bloody much this year by not going, and, and Martin will, and Jonathan will all concur 
that uh, the Baggies away is a, is a real favourite away trip of ours. So I hope we get to see you next year. So it was well, I, nearly, I, I, I nearly died there a few years ago. So yeah, it's got. Was that when memory. the end fell? Well, absolutely, Mitchy Batchel yeah. and all, all that. What's what's that <laughs> pub that serves great curry? I always forget the name of. Bloody I've, pub. I've never, I've never. You've not done that one. Oh, no, I've vine. heard about it, but it was it's always the too vine. packed. So the vine, thank the you. Vine, it was always yeah. too packed. So I was drunk in Birmingham yeah. City Centre and came Get up. in there early, a few pints and that curry sets you up for the day, man. And we all sing along to the liquidator. Oh, we do. We the share the liquidator, yeah. don't we? Yeah. yeah, of course. Of and course. The, two, the two throstles both normally dance with each other slightly, uh, possibly two sections. <laughs> Where are you going with this, JK? Yeah, leave, leave it alone. Do not go there. <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I'm, I've got a soft spot for West Brom. I, I made a programme bloody years ago now and i had to go and interview uh ali brown len cantello wonderful the dear dear cyril regis and brian robson who was a was a you know a real wow. hero of mine when i was a kid and i think out of all the clubs that i i went around because i did loads and loads of interviews, lots of different players and managers from different clubs and i have to say that west brom were the were the absolute they were the nicest welcoming nothing was too much trouble absolutely, absolutely yeah. completely great true. club great absolutely. club so there you go absolutely. so yeah we wish you luck, Joe. That's all I'm saying in a very long-winded way, which is my thing. But we, we wish you luck and we hope you stay up and we get to see you next year. No, thank you very much. My compliment back to you would be that what I've seen of Tuchel this year, I, I would be putting a few quid on Chelsea to win the league next year. Ooh, I'd, I'll have some of that. <laughs> Brilliant. No complaints if that happens. I can Absolutely. imagine there'll be odds. I looked, I just looked the way they set up and the way they're going to pick teams off. I, it's very, it's kind of Conte-like, isn't it? So yeah. I, I can... <laughs> I can see some success next yeah. season. No, we're, we're liking what we're seeing so far, so that's good. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. It's a, it's a real delight to have you on. Yeah, well done. Lovely to get your insight from up there. And uh, Pleasure, gents. hopefully we'll see you again sometime in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant stuff. There you go. That's uh, Joe oh, Chapman Perfect. from the Birmingham Mail. And uh, we will be back in a minute to tell you what we think about what's going to happen against uh, West Brom tomorrow. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast preview show with me, Stanford Chidge. Him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oop. And him up there, Mr. Martin Wickham. Good evening. Suitably refreshed, Martin. Uh, well, I will when the foam settles in that beer. That's Time for cans, it. Martin, isn't it? Ha- yeah, hashtag cans. Hashtag cans, <laughs> that's right. Uh, there you go. Shout out going to the wonderful Bobby Bob Bob. Um, um, one thing I forgot to do uh, whilst we were saying goodbye to Joe was to remind you all uh, that in our wonderful competition that we do every week in conjunction with at uh, football underscore prizes, um, they did a Ben Chilwell shirt last uh, week. I, I I don't know who won it actually because the England game was on, so I didn't look. But this week is is I have to say in my book even better because they got a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, signed and framed shirt up for grabs in their draw. So every every Wednesday evening, what they do it's a bit like the national lottery. They've got I think I think Bill's nicked a, a scale. Well, I lose. <laughs> well, yeah, they've got a scaled down version of of the thing with the balls and. Uh, the ball, the ball numbers go from one to ninety nine, and uh, Bill makes the machine go round and he picks a number out. And if you're, if the, if you know, you buy a ticket with a number on it, and if he picks your number out, you win. For I mean, you pay four ninety five uh, per ticket, but if you win, you get a signed Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank shirt. What is not to like? I mean, I love Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Well, I said it in my um, those shows you were doing in the first lockdown. And I mentioned Hasselbank specifically, so yeah, I might have to enter that. Five quid, Martin. I mean, you know, value. It's a pint, isn't it? Let's be honest. It depends where you drink. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, I'm used to paying lower, lower, lower uh, money for my pints down in Winchester, but it's about a well, pint. Well, I'm, 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 no, I won't be revealing too much, but I may, family reasons may put me down Hampshire way on occasion over the next couple of years, so you never know. Ooh, you well, you and I can go and get really sloshed in one of the fantastic many pubs around my manor. I'll have to go to my brother's manor first. But I'll, Where's your I'll brother's manor then? He's going to be moving out, I think, towards Basingstoke or something like that. Okay, so. it's not far away. I didn't think it was. You, me and Tony, mate. Oh, bloody hell, I'll be the biggest pub crawler. And, then, and get, get John Proctor <laughs> out. He's not far away. Ah. Marvellous. We could have a Hampshire piss-up. How delightful. 
<laughs> what? Just, sorry, JK. We're talking beer yeah, again, aren't we? If it was all going to be moving, everything would move down to Winchester. It'll just be, you know, they'll be. They they'll gravitate be towards there. me. Yeah, gravi- been, yeah. Hang on, JK. I've seen you in Winchester. Admittedly, it was the Winchester club in mind, but let's not um, <laughs> let's not split hairs. <laughs> very, very good. Anyway, look. Bottom line is, uh, it's on and our. No one in the audience got it. <laughs> it I, I, I got it. I mean, it's uh, it's on our Chelsea fancast Twitter page, and I'll be tweeting it out again on Wednesday to remind you all. But uh, at football underscore prizes. If you want a Jimmy Floyd, if you want a chance to win a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank signed and framed Chelsea shirt for £4.95, go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Hasselbank, spelt correctly, I hasten to add. Now, it's time for us to really talk about um, uh, the Chelsea West Brom match tomorrow, of course. Uh, annoyingly, at half 12, yet again, I think we've we've had to play at half 12 more often than anybody else. I saw a lot of moaning about that. But I think the first thing, really... Um, is is who who is fit and who who starts JK? It was interesting to hear what Tuchel said in the presser because he seemed to say that everybody was fit apart from Kante. He said that Kante's, uh, you know, he won't he won't be ready for Porto next week, which is a bit of a blow. Let's face it, but he will probably be okay for Porto week after next. And he said everybody else is fit, and yet I looked at my betting app site, the wonderful Flash Score. And they were saying that Abraham's definitely out and Silva and Jorginho, as well as Kante, were also possibly not available. So I'm, I'm confused. Does he mean everybody who he's going to put in the team? Well, that's what I can't understand. He definitely said that Werner's going to play because that's, that's what he said when he was kind of giving he, Werner a lot of love. He's not a bit, though, is he? He's just not very good. <laughs> slightly different, mate. Slightly different. Silva's trained all week, though, isn't he? I think Silva should be fit by now. I'm, I am I mean... I, I, I don't know who to believe. I mean, I obviously one would believe whether he whether he gets in straight away is another matter. No, I, I don't. Very think harsh on Christiansen to bench him. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's in his plans at the moment. Well, I just uh, I'm afraid. I just think the way that the, the back two are playing, Rudiger and Christiansen are playing with Dave as well. I can't. Well, see. I, I I've done a I've done one look just to prove it to you. That I do some homework. I know you all know that I do homework. I've, I've got. I love this app where you can do. You know, uh, you, you're good at that, aren't you? I've noticed. Uh, yeah, you like that. Anyway, I'll tell you what I've got in there. I mean, basically, I, I'm wondering that whether two things will come into play here. How knackered some of the players are, having played a lot. I mean, some of them. Are, I mean, Mount played a ridiculous amount of games for well, England. That, that, that got silly. I mean, what did, didn't he? Ninety minutes against San Marino. For fuck's sake! I know, and and I think Rudiger played a lot. I mean, a lot of them have played a lot of minutes over the international break. Some of them haven't. So I think that might come into consideration. But of course, I, you know, we now know that Tuchel does have an eye on the Champions League matches because, remember, he rested a lot of players before the Atletico Madrid match. And we were like, what's he doing? You know, but it worked. And I wonder if he might have one eye on Porto too. So, without further ado, my team, with an eye... And this is what I think... This is not necessarily what I would pick. This is what I think Tuchel will pick, Okay, Mendy, right? Uh, Aspie on the right. Silva in the middle. Zuma on the left of the three at the back. Alonso, I think he'll pick Jorginho because one takes it on face value that Jorginho is now fit again. So Jorginho and Kovacic, because we know Kante is is, is not available. James on the right, because he didn't play too much for England. Werner, he said, he said Werner's going to play, so Werner will play. I think he'll play Ziyech next to Werner because I think he's got the horn for Ziyech, actually. He's played him a lot when we've said he won't. And I think he'll play Havertz up front because I think he likes that. So yeah. that, that's what I reckon. What I think, think in Havertz's case, it brings through form from International Week as well. It does. For Germany. Um, not so, not, I wouldn't be so sure that Silver starts, but I can imagine, if Chris, unless Christian has taken a knock. Or, or he's knackered. Possibly. Same I, with I, Rudiger. Yeah, Did he play three times for Denmark during the week, Christensen? This has got to be the one time that Denmark haven't landed in either the England or Irish group for these qualifiers. I honestly have no idea. To be quite, to be quite honest with you, I, I don't know. Um, he may well. The thing with England was because there were three qualifiers. Mount played all of them. If they, if you know, they'd managed to have two qualifiers and a friendly, he'd have probably got a rest. But alas, that wasn't wasn't to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the back's quite a hard one to call. I just have a suspicion that he that he might he might pick silver. because that's that's perhaps with the one eye on Porto next week because he'll want. Christensen uh, and Rudiger for that, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. 
He uh, might want silver for Porto. You never know. Man, he might do. I'm, yeah, but I think I mean we silver's only played three games under Tuchel before he got injured, so eleven games without, and we've been brilliant in defence. So I think he's. Sorry, Chid, you may you may be set, setting up for West Bromwich in knowing that they're going to just defend and boot the ball up the pitch and run after. So it might be that he thinks Silver isn't quite the player for that, as in the same way that Giorgino isn't quite the player for that. I mean, uh, uh, you're not putting because uh, it, it, it coming out of 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 uh, running with the ball from from defence isn't something that I think West Brom are absolutely a, a, a terrific at. I think they're more likely just to be playing long balls and running after them. So I think it's, it'll be horses for courses, as he's done in nearly every game. We must remember that he does watch the opposition as well as working out who's available for, for the, the Champions League. I think he will be thinking, can this player work in this situation? And it seems to me that Christensen works very well when the ball is booted down the pitch and he runs and the, and the players run after it because he's really speedy mm. um, and works very well with Rudiger with that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them actually playing and Silva not playing. But um, uh, w- once again, this is we're in we're in the world of Ranieri here. We don't know who's going to. No, he's, play. He's, he does like to tinker, doesn't he? Um, yeah. I've got a really good question actually that came in on Discord this week from our great mate Steve Morgan which I think really underlines a, a lot of, of, of what this part is about. I'm going to read it out. And he says, uh, I know most of us hate the break uh, for international football, especially when we're on a good run. But do you guys reckon that it will actually work in our favour on this occasion? My take on it is that we built up to a crescendo with the second leg versus Atletico and we ultimately achieved our aim. Then, as was mentioned on the show, we had the almost inevitable letdown in terms of performance versus Sheffield United. I think a week or so for the players away from Chelsea, mixing with different people, hearing different coaches and getting their minds off Chelsea is just the tonic to be able to mentally refresh, then return and attack the final uh, you know, kind of leg of the season. Of course, my theory will be blown out of the water if we put in a shocker versus West Brom. Oh, how Chelsea that would be. But interested in your thoughts on it. Cheers, Steve. Martin, what do you think? I think he's got a good point. Um, not so much... As, as much, you know, hearing from different coaches and mixing with different people, it's just they had been playing twice a week from November up until the Sheffield United game, pretty much without cease and without interruption. So, as much, yeah, like there was a hell of a crescendo with the sec- the Atletico game, but I just think the players needed a break full stop. Mentally, because certainly. Me- mentally, probably physically, I... I would imagine even the players we thought were fully fit were carrying knocks and strains and God knows what. And yeah, it was, it's been a bit of a, I think oh, there's a journalist who described it. They've, they're trying to play the same amount of games as in a normal football season, but with one, with one month cut off and that's going to have a mental and physical strain. So yeah, I think it was definitely needed recharge the batteries. It's also the first break Tuckles had. He came in 48 hours before the Wolves game, and he hit he hit the ground running and done a bloody good job. This has probably been his first chance to you know sit down at the training ground. I don't I would say with his all his coaching staff, but Anthony Barry wasn't there. He was in the island setup and you know plan out what they want to do over the next few weeks. So I think it's hopefully it's going to be good for all parties. Of course, if we have an absolute stinger against West Brom, everything I said is a load of bollocks. Mm. Do you, do you think that means that he'll play a um, a similar side to the one he played against Sheffield United? Which is mm. to play Billy Gilmore in the midfield and to uh, to rest a lot of them and then bring them on. I, mean, I don't think Mount will play. I think we've established that. Well, that actually, do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if Mount plays. Yeah. It genu- I, I think he doesn't sound like the type of player who would say, "Oh, I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit no." But, but it would, the manager, you know, it's, be... it's down to the manager to recognise yeah. that and yeah. sit him down for a game. He but... did. He did have a knock though, didn't he? Remember? Uh, he got caught in a Poland game, didn't he? Yeah. So oh, yes, he might. He might have. He might be mindful. It's really interesting because, you know, you're absolutely right. I didn't include Mount in that side and we didn't even bat an eye. No. Um, but, I, I mean, it's because, you know, we are a very different side without Mount. Let's be really honest. He gives us the energy that we need, that dynamism that we, we sometimes lack. In which, in which case, if you do use him, using him on 70, with 15 minutes to go and West Brom probably a bit tired may work mm. if, if he's needed. But... Yeah. We'll see. If certainly, if we can get a leader, your sister. I know we're going to talk about what we think will happen, but if we can establish an early lead and 
you know, kill the game reasonably quickly. I can't imagine him playing a full 90 minutes if he's involved at all. I don't like seeing Chelsea not play with Mount, but I think tomorrow I would be okay with it because I'd rather have Mount really firing for Porto yeah. on Wednesday. We but we also need to learn how to play without him as well. We do. Because he's, well, we, still, we, he's still we, only a, a kid. We played, we played, sorry, sorry, Martin. We played it without him against... Um, in the, the second Atletico leg, and we did pretty well with that. That's, that's very, very, very true. Yeah, I mean, actually, although he was, I, I reckon he was, he was pulling strings from the stands. He was. He was <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just they, they were brilliant that night, and you're dead right. We didn't have, uh, we didn't have Mount then, so that's, uh, that's a really good point. I mean, you're, you're right, Martin. About you know, I mean, as always, I mean, it's, you know. You, I know you're a betting man when it comes to football, and I know we end up. That's more horse racing than football. Well, you know, but we end up we end up kind of stating the bleeding obvious. But sometimes that's what you need to do. But I mean, I, there's some great stats that Flash Score have come up with, which is I think if you know we, uh, yeah, the Blues will surely win if they net the first goal, taking 13 points out of 15 from the last five Premier League home games to see them do so. Yeah, so basically. When we score first at home, we very, very, very rarely lose. In fact, we very, very rarely lose at home anyway. And West Brom, if they if they concede a goal in the first half, they very, very, very seldom win. So you're absolutely right on that. However, I think, you know, what JK was saying earlier, you know, the, there's the old gits in us both speaking, JK. I'm, I'm a bit worried about this. And I know, I know you're going to look at me like I'm potty, but, you know, West Brom you know, have such an appalling record at Chelsea and against top four sides. The Sod's Law says they'll they'll turn it on and, and get nick a result on Saturday. We haven't conceded a goal at home for like... I mean, there's lots of records that we've established recently and you know what they say about records. They're always there to be broken. So Tuchel's broken the record of 14 unbeaten as a start. Um, if we If we go... If we don't concede a goal tomorrow... I think it's the longest stretch in our history at home that we won't have conceded a goal for. I think eight games or something. So there's there's lots of awful portents. I see. See, I always see them as awful portents, not not positive ones. Are you like uh, me? Whenever whenever the commentators and Chelsea having oh, shut, shut up, fuck shut up, up, shut up. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> yeah, always, that, always. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't need an excuse to shout abuse to BT Sports commentators, but them flagging up every potential. Chelsea haven't conceded in the 60th minute with the day being a Tuesday. I thought, just fuck off. <laughs> You're asking for trouble and yeah. it gets a bit tedious. I'd, I'd also point out that fairly sure West Brom have got points at Anfield and the Etihad this season. Have they? I didn't know that. I didn't I didn't delve far enough back in that. I only went back to Yeah, well, they got, Bilic got sacked the day after getting a draw. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I think they're a very different side, though. Um, I, but I think, Chid, you, you've, you have flagged up this... Um, this uh, uh, tendency that we will trip against the uh, the worst possible teams in the league on practically every occasion now over the last few weeks. So um, um, uh, I'm I'm ceasing to have the same qualms that you have because frequently in the past I'll have gone yes, Chid, you're right. <laughs> yes or no? Help, we're going to lose. Oh, What's oh. with the negative waves, Moriarty? But, but now I'm. Um, uh, I think we're too good, and even if we play against somebody the other day, like Sheffield United, who who uh, put us under the cosh a bit, uh, we still we're still coming up with it. Mm. I just think we're um, we're too organised. Even with the with reserves in the side, we're too organised, particularly defensively. I mean, once again, I I still don't think he, he he's still a long way from making the forwards fire. Yeah. And as you say, I think he Zayek is his is his personal project at the moment. I think he thinks he's going to he's going to score in every game now. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I just think it's. Um, uh, I think we'll be too too strong for for WBA. WBA. I mean, I think I think the game will be. I think it'll be very much like the Sheffield United match. You know, I, I think we I think we need to score first and early, uh, but I don't think we'll batter them because I just don't see us battering anybody. Because you but, know we can we can have eighteen shots on goal and still only score two goals, because that's where we are at the moment. Um, but I do think we'll win, and I think we'll win by 2-0. I think it'll be very like the Sheffield United match because I think that West, West, WBA, should I say, Jonathan, will be very, very, very tough to break down because that's what Sam Allardyce is really good at. Absolutely. He will part... I slightly disagree with Joe. I really do think he'll start with five at the back. He'll he'll just try and 
park the bus and hit us hit us on the counter when we start getting ahead of steam up as we often do with all that possession. I mean, there's, I read something. I think it was in Rick's um, uh, pre-match briefing, which is a really interesting point. When he when uh, when he managed um, Crystal Palace, he did the same thing. What he what he did is he tried to to get our our our, our wing backs and our, our you know when we played with three at the back, he tries to make them go really really wide so he can shove a player through the middle and catch us out that way. I think he might do that. But I, I think we're too good for West Brom, bottom line. But, you know, I don't think it'll be a dubbing. So I say 2-0. What do you what do you reckon, Martin? Well, I'm just actually doing my score predictions now because I forgot they were yeah, always, in a few we, hours. Yeah, thank and, you for reminding me. And I have put 2-0 in as well. Well, I'm so. going for 2-0. Martin's going for 2-0. JK's going for 2-0. Well, just to be completely... Um... Similar, I will be going for 2-0. Yeah, and Joe Chapman, uh, the, the the Baggies fan, is going for 2-0. Yeah. So that means it'll be 0-0, everybody. It, uh, it will. Anyway, as I said, anyway um, the bottom line is, chaps, we need to win this match. Absolutely, because if you look at the table, we're in fourth, obviously. We're, we're five behind Leicester. Leicester have got Man City, so it's a chance to catch up Leicester. But West Ham are on 49. If they beat Wolves, they've got Wolves away on Monday. While uh, Well, we won't be doing the fan cost on Monday, so we'll know what the result is by the time we do the show. But if they win that and we don't, they'll go above us. Tottenham are on 48 points, and they've got... Who have they? Who've, who've, Newcastle. Oh, crikey. They've got Newcastle, which is effectively a buy. No you would have thought bad, so, wouldn't you? No matter how bad Tottenham have been recently, Newcastle yeah, are they've got them away. So... so you know, it. We need to win. We, I mean, the reality is the thing. If we're going to finish in the top four, we need to be winning matches from now on in. We can't. We can't be pissing about. We can't afford to lose points, drop points at this point of the season, especially when well, it's as tight as it is to get into the top four. We've I don't got. Think we will though. Well, so. We've got West Ham. I'm oh, sorry, West Ham. West Brom tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Freud and Slip. We've got Palace, Palace next Saturday. Yeah. Brighton. So that's three games that. With the greatest respect to all teams, well, we need we should be getting yeah. nine points from those three games. Yeah. Then it's West Ham away, which is a six pointer, isn't it? Indeed. So yeah. we need to put as much pressure on, but by doing our job, we could we should. What we've what's happened in the last couple of seasons is we've made the Champions League spots, but it's been a little bit reliant on other teams falling away. Last season, the arse fell out of Leicester City for whatever reason after the restart, and we were able to capitalise on it. The season before that, under Sarri, no one wanted to finish fourth, so we took third. This season, I think, there's a little bit more about a lot of these teams. I don't think West Ham are going away anytime soon. I think Leicester have a little bit more about them as well. So we need to be on the front foot for between now and May and just win it rather than lucky, lucky into it. No, totally I, United, I think I said I think United will fall away, actually. I think their, their luck will, will run out because they've been very lucky indeed. Well, I keep hoping so, JK. You know, the PE teacher. Is he all that? No, I don't think he is. Um, Right, Martin very cleverly, because he's a mind reader, uh, mentioned the Prem Predictions, the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League, which, of course, has had a hiatus with all the international break. And, of course, we resume. of The first match of the weekend, of course, is the Chelsea match. Just to remind you people, the wonderful Joe Mingola is still way out in front. And I mean way out. He's, he's th- nearly 400 points in front of Chris I hope Tot- he's doing. I hope he's doing accumulators on these. Well, I, I hope so, he, too. Yeah. He'd have a bloody fortune at this well, rate. Well, it's, it's been pretty stable, the top 10. It's a bit like the, the league, actually. Chris Thomas has leapt up recently. He's now second place. Yarrick Koska, he's been there or thereabouts all season in third. Same with Josh Wadsworth in fourth. Claire McConnell in fifth. Ash Pinto in sixth. Steve Burton in seventh. Freddie Carberg in eighth. Supreth in nine. Bert Stoltz, 10. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Hines is in 11th. Benji T is 12th. And then Martin Wickham. Martin Wickham is the leading the mini-league, the, the Chelsea Fancasters mini-league within the league. Martin is... Uh, He's got he's got 1999 points. There you go. Fancasters he's going to party the... like it's 1999. <laughs> it's actually Fancasters. I mean, people who do the show, or yeah. is it? No, no, it, it, the, the Premier League Predictions League is everybody who decided they were going to pay 20 quid to join the league, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I said, come on, we need a few of us lot in there to make Indeed. it make it a bit more fun. And I, I think we, there's, for me, there's a mini league within the league. You know, if yeah. I finish above all of you and yet I still finish 10th, I'm going to still be really, really happy. Yeah, right now, this is turning into a mini league within a mini league because it's was, between me and Marco for the top yeah. spot. Well, it is. Anyway, kind of alternates. Just to recap on that, Martin is the top fan caster. All right. 
He's in tw- in thirteenth. Marco is about twenty three points behind him. He's in fourteenth. Dane Whittle, who is amazing, he he gets like eight bloody spot ons one week and then minus points the next. He's like up and down like a yo yo, but he's done all right. He's in eighteenth uh, at the moment. Uh, he's a good eighty points ahead of me. I'm in nineteenth. Uh, Mark Meehan has slipped down. He's in twenty fourth. Tony's uh, in twenty fifth. But the breaking news is is that Jonathan Kidd is no longer propping up the table. Yes. JK is in 29th, which means that there are three people below him. Although it has to be said, JK, that two of those three people joined the league after about 25 games in. So so I'm, uh, really, if they're not counted, I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm one above. Considering I didn't start late, and I started off with... Uh, Minus 127 for the first two yes. games, the first two weeks. I've 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 done okay. You've done okay. I mean, I'd like to look at my stats. Can you do that for me? No, no, okay. no. Because I've just shut it down because I thought we'd, we'd stopped. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, just yeah, to, just to point out to everyone the the golf here. Me being in top spot in this fan cast, really, I'm still a thousand points behind Joe yeah. in top spot. So he's been remarkable. Le- le- levels. <laughs> I know he's been remarkable. Anyway, on that really sour note, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not me bitter. Never. Uh, hey, got... you, got, you, you, you picked it up off of me. Uh, no, <laughs> we, we, we better, we better toodle off to tonight. Um, chaps, lovely to see you as always. Martin, enjoy the game tomorrow. Have a few more cans. Absolutely, you too. And uh, I was going to show you the Godfather bottle. I won't, but I, I bought it. After, oh, yeah, after this. Yeah. <laughs> the Godfather bottle for the Podfather. That's what I thought. Uh, JK, always a delight to see you, my dear boy. Lovely to be on the show. And we're Tuesday next time. We, we are. And oh, yes, actually, by the way, contrary to the rumours uh, put out as an April Fool by uh, a certain little jape called uh, Dean Mears, uh, no, uh, my, the, the rumours of my demise are somewhat premature. I am still here, and I fully intend to be so. And JK has not been fired. I got wrapped up in that. Yeah, I was fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, Dean was having a little bit of an April Fool's joke. I think, at our, well, at my expense. So, of course, I turned the tables and made it at your expense as well, because I'm like yeah. that. Yeah, you like that. Thank I'm you like that. But, uh, no, no, we're, JK and I are not going anywhere. I wouldn't Always. expect anything less, Jim. No, I know. You know I love you, really. All right. On that very good point, uh, lovely to have the Mixler people in. Lovely to see these two chaps. Brilliant to have Joe on earlier. Uh, as I said, JK and myself will be back on Tuesday to look back at Chelsea's match against West Brom and ahead, of course, to the Champions League tie against Porto. So there you go. Now, thanks for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue. Remember, we're back on Tuesday, not Monday, Tuesday. So uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen? Und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen. Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.